morning, Sun Valley Church. Welcome back to the Voice of the Valley. I'm Jeremy Pinch, and this morning I have Pastor Rick Whitmer and Pastor John Schubert in the room with me. Guys, it's good to see you. Thank you, Pastor Jeremy. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Jer. I had uh, actually had some people come up to me on Sunday after you made the announcement about Othello. Uh-huh. And uh, you said Pastor, <laughs> pastor Jeremy. Pastor Jeremy, yeah. And they're like, we had no idea that you were pastor. And I said, I had no idea either. <laughs> I, didn't re- I didn't respond to your question because I didn't know I was Pastor Jeremy. <laughs> That'd have been a great opportunity for you to say, um, well, good time to become members and come to the member meeting where you would have found that out. Yeah. Yeah, I chastised them right there. I would. Yeah. So That's good. Yeah. No, you guys are you guys are here uh, in this podcasting room today because we are going to continue to look at um, this book called Deep Discipleship by J.T. English, how the church can make whole disciples of Jesus. And uh, yeah, today we're talking about chapter four, which was a longer chapter, but but a good a good chapter. Yeah, a good chapter. I noticed we sold another copy of that book this Sunday. But I just realized also that there was no money that came in for the bookshelf this week. So whoever, uh, wh- whichever thief is out there in Sun Valley Church, if you're listening, uh, we look forward to seeing your contribution on Sunday. <laughs> and just otherwise, it comes out of Rick's salary. Yeah. So, so we really look forward to your contribution <laughs> on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. The funny thing is, is they don't even listen to this podcast, so they just wanted the book. I had one lady actually talk to me on Sunday, and she had a book from the bookshelf in her hand. And she goes, how do I check this out again? (laughs) (laughs) I said, well, that one's for sale. (laughs) Right. She goes, oh. (laughs) That explains so much. (laughs) So they just checked it out. Yeah, the bookshelf ministry. (laughs) And it comes back underlined and highlighted. One of those. Yeah. (laughs) One of those articles in 50 years. Yeah. A woman checks out book from non-church library and finds it 50 years later and returns it. Yeah. <laughs> with interest. Yeah, with interest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Deep Discipleship by J.T. English. So, I mean, I mean that's a question, yeah. Jeremy, of you. Uh, you are asking us questions. You you pepper up us with sometimes unanswerable questions, and you think it's funny. So rude. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and so does the audience. But um, I want to ask you a question. You read? Did you read this? Yeah, it's, okay. I read it no a pressure. few weeks ago. Yeah. Okay, so w- explain to me what is Frankenstein philosophy of ministry? Okay, well, you don't look it up. <laughs> I mean, don't be looking it up. If but if you need to, it's on page one hundred. Thank you, Frankenstein. <laughs> Frankenstein. Frankenstein philosophy of ministry. Yes. It is a ministry creation that is the result of a lot of ministry experiments that don't fit well together but end up being one big monster. Yeah. Ooh. So I'm like, that's what I answered the question for you. I thank didn't want you. you to keep fumbling there. Yeah, no. But I don't even but, have the right book here. So. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot. Oh. That's Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Yeah. Not... <laughs> They're both, they both were blue. They're they both, both, deep. Like, both look like water. You, just, you put me on the spot here, John. I'm, uh, well, I'm, see, that's I'm how blushing. I feel. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to help you grow as a minister of the gospel. Well, yeah. yeah. It's, isn't, that, isn't that a verse somewhere, what, what goes around comes around? That's a, it's it's also a Justin Timberlake song. It's, yeah. that's, that's, 
second hesitations. <laughs> yeah. But no, so let's talk about the Frankenstein philosophy of ministry and why that's a problem. Also, it has been called in the past uh, octopus without a brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So what, what, do we, what do we want to avoid there? Why would that be a problem if we have a lot of ministry but not a lot of structure or yeah, not Pastor a lot of Jeremy, plan? Why or, is that bad? Orchestration. Um, yeah, I, I think throughout the rest of this chapter, he makes that point of it, we need to give the people of the church what they need, not because a bunch of ideas are good, um, but what what works? What what do the the people of you know Sun Valley specifically? What do they need? So all these different you know things that we can throw on the table. They might be good ideas, but are they necessary for growing? As he says, deep disciples, growing whole disciples in Christ likeness. Right. And is it and is it uh, integrated into one consistent vision yeah. of what? Um, the church is called to be and what Christians are called to be yeah. as uh, image bearers of Christ. Because if it's not, if there's not that unified purpose to each of those individual ministries, then they're not going to be serving that larger purpose and call of the church. And they may end up in fact, they may be in conflict, hindering they may be each other. In conflict. Exactly. Yeah. So I, speaking of this, this Frankensteinian, Stonian uh, view of ministry, like what, what would be an example of that? Uh, having, separate ministries in the church with different objectives. Like, let's say your youth ministry was completely separate and unconnected to the youth, the children's ministry or to the small group ministry, or yeah. totally different objectives, totally different um, goals, different yeah. strategies. Uh, and it may be a great youth ministry. It's just not supporting the ministry of the whole church here. Right, right. That would be an example. Right. You, you've got your own ideas, your own agenda, and you're doing your own thing. Yeah. And like, oh, you know, the youth are having a their mission trip this summer, and then the church is also having their mission trip, and now we're competing for the same resources, the same, you know, and it's all for the good cause, right, right. of getting the gospel out. But, you know, this summer, it, to be actually what's going on at Sun Valley is we those two things are integrated. Mm. Yeah, it is a missions quote a mission summer for the student mm. ministries, but it also is for the whole church. And there's going to be a, a whole uh, that's functioning together in tandem yeah. to serve this one greater purpose of making disciples among the mistechs with our missionaries. I think that's an example of that's a good example. It's also it's also an underhanded through. promotion of your ministry. Well, yeah. you know what I mean. Like this is you're saying. Hey, we've only got a few people signed up for this mission trip. Please sign oh, no. up right now. Sign-ups are closed. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, this yeah. is not a promotion. This, yeah. But it could be a shaming. I felt promoted. Because <laughs> <laughs> you were looking straight at me when you said, you know, this is, this is what our church is doing together. Together, John. And our, yeah. We need our pulpit ministry to... Uh, yeah, to get in line. <laughs> yeah. No, so there, there is... There is uh, Things that are, that can be done that are good, like you just said, Jeremy, that that aren't necessarily profitable yeah. for the 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 goals of the local church. Mm-hmm. And by the way, uh, our particular uh, approach to ministry doesn't have to mirror uh, any other church. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there ought to be obviously similarities, but but we don't have to do ministry like. Grace Community Church does ministry, or like Memorial Bible does ministry, yes. or vice versa, because God has, you know, peculiarly 
and providentially brought together this pastoral staff with these elders overseeing this pastoral staff um, with our passions and interests uh, uh, and skills. And uh, it's different Mm -hmm. from other churches. And so we would approach uh, the Great Commission, the sanctification of the saints, in maybe slightly different ways than other churches would, which is good and I think glorifies God. That's, I think, one thing that we're going to see when we, uh, you know, stand around in glory and all these different Christians will be there praising the same Savior, but there'll be that, that, um, that quality of, uh, of a total body of Christ representing different tribes, languages, and tongues, different philosophies of ministry, one Savior. Yeah. So what we do doesn't have to be... Uh, necessarily acceptable for to any other church mm. you know except for the obvious the, um, the non-negotiables the non-negotiable. like corporate, right. he wor- like corporate worship and all those you know we're talking about and the like things bible that, are, that thing they're, yeah. they're non-optional right they're that's going to be the same in every every tribe tongue people and language right. that is belonging to christ ought to have those things in common yeah. but but the glory of the nations being brought into the new Jerusalem, I think, points to what John's saying, that, you know, that there is diversity within that unity. Yeah. And it's not that the gospel, as it's contextualized, changes. It doesn't, right? But um, the unique aspects of how God has gifted each church with its people is going to bring about different ministries. And that's, right. that's kind of the trellis and the vine idea, which is mm-hmm. something we should actually probably get into on a different podcast because... It's been 10 years since we've revisited it. Well, it's very it. similar to this book. It is. I don't know if you recognize that, but yeah. it's a very similar book. Yeah. One way to, that I've just thought about it in my own mind is about this diversity um, and unity is is coaching. So, like, when I was coaching soccer, I would have players come from, since I was a high school coach, I had players come from different age category club teams, like uh, U15s, U16s, U17s, U18s, would all be coming and playing for one high school team, one coach instead of five or six, seven different coaches. Mm. And every year, inevitably, there was this conversation about whose methodology was better, my club coach or my high school coach. And it wasn't the conversation I was having. It was the conversation they were having with themselves or with their parents or whatever. And I said, hey, listen, when you play for West Valley, this is how you play. And when you play for Sun City, that's how you play. If you, you know, pl- play for the rain, that's how you play because their coaches are requiring certain things. But guess what? We're all playing soccer. Mm-hmm. We all play and we have a ball and the objective is to put it into that goal over there and to not let it go in this goal over here. Mm-hmm. Here's how we're going to do it on this team. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's that's no better. Way. That's handy. It's it is. It's a really good it's illustration. Different, but it, it's, it's not worse or better. Yeah. So that's one way to think about it. Yeah, that's yeah. really good. I, I visualize that. It makes makes a lot of sense. Well, I hear that you're into sports analogies and I sports. Am. Period. Now I am. You're dominating on the on the hardwood. You know, I climbed up a tandem ridge yesterday. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You climbed up a tandem ridge. Yeah. Is that sports? Well, if you were there, you would not be asking <laughs> that question. Okay. The answer is yes. Okay. Or is walking not good enough for you? <laughs> I'm not, if I'm I brought never, a ball, I've never associated walking with sports, but I can I can get there. One of Maybe the first golf. the first time golf. my first summer at this church, we had a pool golf. party, a student ministries pool party at your house. Yes, and um, <laughs> I remember you told this, me. By the way, this is why we sold the house. Do you remember what you told me? <laughs> no, you said, Rick, you should do jujitsu because you have a jujitsu body, and I was like, okay, well that's a little awkward. Um, I mean. 
I, it makes sense to me. My, but you know, I don't remember saying that, that, but time, I do see the logic of that. Yeah, ever since that time, I mean, so yeah, I'm you've totally, thought about it. You've thought about jujitsu, totally sports, yeah, and how it connects with deep discipleship. Getting back to the yeah, see, I was deeply discipling you at that moment. It was, <laughs> you should do jujitsu. I thought about it. Yeah, I was. Never mind. I used Maybe to do martial have, arts. We could have like a, 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 a Michael Scott Dwight moment here where we go down to the dojo and we have a little one-on-one here. A little Peruvian necktie <laughs> demonstration. Senpai! That's Japanese for California roll. One of the moves uh, in jiu-jitsu is called a rear naked choke. I've never been comfortable with that. <laughs> no particular name. Anyways, uh, we're, we're, we're digressing. digressing yeah. yeah. Uh, I can't even I can't even encourage him about an analogy with it because yeah. it's a personal attack. Yeah. So <laughs> I'll race you up a tandem ridge, Fight. and you can tell me Fight. what sports you Fight. think are. Fight. <laughs> uh, okay, back to deep discipleship. Uh, I never, I never left. <laughs> so, so what are what are the uh, what are the things that he he discusses that are um, what the disciples need. Um, Thinking specifically here at Sun Valley Church, what what are what are some of the things that here he says it on, on page one hundred seven, Rick? I think you got it. Your book turned to that. He says the disciples need three things. What are they? Bible beliefs and spiritual habits. By beliefs, he means theology and, and doctrine. And, and those are the non-negotiables we were referring to. Yeah, earlier. that's what I was just thinking. So you can put different things into each of those buckets. That's the soccer. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, thank you. So we got. Bible beliefs and spiritual habits that are non-negotiable. Hmm. You got to have uh, a if if you're going to be a, a fully devoted follower of Christ, if you're going to be a growing disciple, you're going to have uh, familiarity with the Bible, which will teach you certain beliefs and be played out, applied in spiritual habits. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. So yeah. these are three non-negotiables. Now, how we fill them at Sun Valley is going to change, yeah. So, or be so, different rather from yeah, other churches. Yeah. So, so okay. Just thinking in our in our scenario here, what what are how are those things being played out? Obviously, we have the preaching on on Sunday morning. Um, how how are these buckets being filled? I guess. Well, the, the preaching's going to hit all three of those. Um, you know, as John's preaching, he preaches expositionally. And that's where you're getting verse by verse walk through the Bible. Um, he's drawing out doctrine from those verses, and he's applying it in the spiritual life. So there's a there's a real sense in which preaching aims at all three. Um, but like we talked about last week, it's bound by nature um, to the expository method. Mm-hmm. And so you're you're not going. To, there's a lot of other things that aren't being covered simply because they're not in that particular text or the ones following for whoever knows how long, you know? Right. And that's where Sunday seminars, what we're aiming for there is, you, I mean, you can go to that Sunday seminar board that we have in the hallway outside of the, the two adult classrooms, and you can see how those, we actually break down our seminars into categories, practical theology, um, Bible, theology, in growth, growth, which would be aspects of those things that don't necessarily fit straight into one of those other categories. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, so that's just off the top of my head how b- those two venues are uh, are aiming at these three things. And then, and then, small groups also fit in there, right? 
small groups include all three of those buckets in different ways. But primarily, we, we, we view small groups as, a, as an application of Bible and belief. Yeah. So it would fall more into a spiritual habit, the habit of fellowship, of communion, of prayer. Right? Those are, those are spiritual habits, and those are things that we are expected to do, we're commanded to do in Scripture. Yeah. And so <clears throat> we tried to, we're trying to be balanced in our approach to discipleship. We're trying to <clears throat> uh, build uh, equipped disciples, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. Um, this guy just has a good way of uh, defining the points, I think, and help us structurally see what we're actually doing. I actually, you know, a lot of times when I read a ministry book, I feel guilty, I feel incompetent, I feel like I want to close the book and go away. Uh, this book actually is, has been an affirmation to me because I think we're doing a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. Not not to speak arrogantly, but I'm, we, we are doing a lot of these things. Yeah. And whether or not we're doing them the best we can, that remains to be seen. That's a debate we can have, but but we're doing these things. We're we're implementing, we're filling rather these three buckets. Yeah. The Bible is being taught and preached. These this teaching and preaching is developing beliefs in our people, and we could we could share example after example of that just from the past fifteen years of our ministry here. And we're developing spiritual habits, yeah. you know, and we want to we want to obviously fill these buckets more and more. Uh, I I was I think I've said, shared this, sh- this story before, but um, thinking about how ministry, pastoral ministry, affects the long term spiritual health of a saint is like filling um, Rimrock Lake from the point of being empty to the point of being full. It's a long process. If you were capable of draining Rimrock Lake, and all you had was that tiny titan river who come that fills it it would take how long months maybe years to fill that lake well discipleship is exactly the same you fill that that life one drop at a time and after the years you see a difference you see people with certain convictions uh not just in in uh doctrinal convictions which is a critical thing but in in life conviction, spiritual habits. And, of course, this all all boils back to getting the Bible into your people. Mm-hmm. So uh, we can never do too much of that. We can never get too much Bible into our people. So we want our people to be in uh, Sunday seminar. We want them to be in small group. We want them to be in the, the Sunday morning worship service, obviously. Yeah. So... So he, he mentions here, uh, under these, these basic beliefs, uh, he mentions your church's doctrinal statement, and then he says a historic creed or confession like the Apostles' Creed, a class in systematic theology. These are all kind of things that, that help us in our, in our basic beliefs. Um, and this is, this is off topic, I think, in a sense, but John, you mentioned this idea of the, the Nicene Creed on Sunday, um, and, and we have the Apostles' Creed, we have all these different creeds throughout church history. Why would those be important for our basic beliefs as a church here? Why why do these creeds play a part in our beliefs here? Well, because they reflect the basic beliefs of the historic church. Okay. Now, obviously, we don't we don't embrace every single creed, um, or you know, like the Westminster Confession. 
there are things in the confession that we do not embrace, but mm-hmm. essentially we're in lockstep with these creeds and conven- uh, confessions of the historic church. We say that on our website, so we've got to be, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, so we, we, they, they reflect what the Bible teaches. The, the creeds came out of uh, groups of men gathering and talking about what is the Bible teaching here? Mm-hmm. And then it's just reflected in a very short, concise creed that we can recite in, what, five minutes on a Sunday morning? Mm. And talk about packed full of doctrine. Take either one of those creeds, you know, the Nicene, the Apostles' Creed, or even, you know, Athanasian Creed. There's there's more and many of these creeds that reflect what the church believes and embraces. And those those early creeds, um, the Athanasian, the Nicene, the uh, the apostles, uh, the Chalcedonian definition. These early church ones, those those are ones where, if you disagree with any of part of them, um, you're outside the bounds of orthodoxy and are looking at the the very real likelihood that you don't know Christ because they're so foundational to the Christian faith. And, and they're we, they're in that much unison, right? Exactly. All these the the confessions that you get as a result of the Reformation, are very handy guides, but you're not running the risk of not knowing Christ if you disagree with parts of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, the parts of those that are reflective of those early church creeds, you do, right? The nature of God, of Christ, and His redemption. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you get into the things like covenantal theology and, you know, the church and the state, things like that, those are secondary matters. They're not Which unimportant. is why they're confessions, they're not they're creeds. They're not creeds, right. Yeah. So it's an important distinction that we understand between the creeds and confessions. Uh, we, don't re- we don't recite parts of Reformed confessions before the Lord's Supper, right? But, but we do with the Apostles, the Nicene. Um, and, and a confession is what you might study as a family for your family worship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably wouldn't study the creed too much. You may. But uh, it would be more appropriate, I think, and in fact, that's why, that's why they have catechisms, like the, the Westminster Catechism. Mm-hmm. Um, these, these guys wrote questions about these confessions to help families like ours learn what important doctrine is yeah. and be able to recite it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And these are the things that, that come from the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. So these, back to these three buckets... We've got the Bible that produce beliefs, that produce spiritual habits. We want to produce Christians who are living the Christian life, who are daily walking with Christ, who who are interested in making much of Christ in all areas of their life. And that comes from sitting under Bible teaching, having doctrines explained, and asking application of those things in your daily life. And the point that English makes in this chapter is that there's no such thing as a belief that doesn't um, that doesn't result that's not meant to result in concrete action, um, and that's that's where a lot of people break down in their understanding and then get this idea of just give me Jesus and not theology, or you know let's worship together, but then doctrine is more for some people. Well, that's just not the case. There's no there's nowhere in Scripture where we get that idea, and so um, and there really is a logical flow to that. So all of these things, like John said, are arising from Scripture. Scripture, we, we only want theology that we can see in the pages of the Bible yeah. when rightly interpreted. Yeah. And then all that theology is meant to bring us to a point. Yeah, right. And that's going to be to the presence right. of God and living out our faith in the world. Yeah. And it forms the boundaries of how that happens. Yeah, yeah that's good.
That's good. Yes, as I as I think about these these beliefs that that center bucket there, I think about the students that I'm teaching, and you know what I want to do is is exactly this as as is our all of our goals here. But um, what I fear for the students is they've only known one way of doing things growing up, which is great because they're being they're being taught the truth. They're growing up in the truth. Um, they're loving the truth, and, and Lord willing, as they go out from this place, they continue that on. Um, but what I fear is that if they go to a different church that doesn't do the way, do church the way that we do church, that somehow that church is in the wrong. And I'm talking more or less the, the practice of how we do things in the sense of, you know, for example, we have liturgies on Sunday mornings, mm-hmm, right? You know, and if, if this church doesn't do a liturgy, then there's something wrong with this church. Um, so how do we how do we guard our, ourselves against a, a thought process if if the church if the church that I'm going to go to doesn't do the things that Sun Valley does, you know they they must be wrong. How do we guard against that thing? Does that make sense? Yeah. How do we guard? Because I was thinking about it. You know, I was leading the liturgy this Sunday, yeah. and we prayed for a number of churches that we say are like minded churches that we have common cause with yeah. more more in common with than different. And a number of those churches don't have liturgical worship. And yet we, we would say that every every church does some kind of liturgy in the sense that even even your classic uh, opening song, introduction, announcements, welcome, three songs, sermon, psalm, home. That's, that's a liturgy. Yeah. We would just say it's probably not <laughs> as intentional as it could be. Sure. Um, and so I think the more we can point out evidences of grace in the people and the work of God that he's doing in people outside of our church, um, that's helpful. Mm. Uh, I was reading uh, a little bit of a letter that Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote to his daughter when she was at Oxford, and she was part of a student group that met for worship, and she wrote back to her dad and was complaining, criticizing the choice of songs and, um, you know, the message or whatever. And he wrote back to her, and here's Lloyd-Jones, right, who's not exactly not interested in doctrine. He's very doctrinal. And he, he urged her to participate where she could and realize that she, you know, God's at work. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference, there's a degree of separation between a church that's not as intentional in its liturgy that we might go, yeah, we just, we don't feel, <laughs> like we would do things different yeah. than a church that's more health, wealth, and pop evangelical because right. those two churches may be doing things differently than we do but one of those things is not like the other yeah. and we we would pray for people to be sanctified out of one of those types of churches but not the other yeah. you see yeah. and I think conversations like these are helpful but you can only go so far without getting specific which and yet at the same time <clears throat> everybody thinks that their church is the best church right if they're if they're happy that's Sure. That's what they think. So that's why they're at that church. Yeah. Um, which is a good thing. We we you need to be um, encouraged. You need to be uh, joyful. Yeah. And you need to you know be a part of the church that you're attending. Yeah. To say that I go to church over there or over here or whatever, but I don't like it is that makes no sense to me. Sure. <laughs> why go, are you there? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> go someplace you like. Yeah. I mean, are they preaching the gospel? Is the word central? Yeah. And if it is, then mm-hmm. be blessed and go serve. We've invited people to leave our church often. <laughs> well, how often? Well, often enough. 
less often with me, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's yeah. true, though. We have encouraged people mm-hmm. who come, and there's a chronic sense of dissatisfaction, and mm-hmm. we go, listen, you, this isn't you the only church in the valley. This might be a better fit over here for you. And if you can go serve here with all your heart and exercise your spiritual gift and sit under the preaching and receive it without critical a critical spirit, by all means, go with our blessing. Yeah. Because this isn't Sun Valley is not, you know, the shrine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, the only it's not the temple. Yeah. We're part of it. Part Capital of the, T. Part of the temple of well, Christ. Yeah. And if we're if we're if we're connected in the core beliefs, yeah, um, we understand that that church isn't a competition, right? right. It's it's a desire to make whole disciples. And if you're going to be, if you're going to be discipled more effectively in this other congregation that's doing, you know, what we're pursuing, then go go do that there, yeah, and grow in Christ there, you know. And there, I will say, there are godly ways, like biblical, integrous ways to move around the saints mm-hmm. among the churches, and then there's ones that are not so good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we, we have no interest in poaching people to Sun Valley Church. Right. You know, we want them to choose to come. We want to encourage people who are here who might be a better fit elsewhere, if that's what they're thinking toward. But we're not going to sit here and say, you need to do this. You really ought to X, Y, Z, because we, we want this to be all under the oversight and authority of each church's elders who are responsible for those people. Who are people, under the head of Christ. Who are under the head of Christ. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. there's not two heads here. There's one head. Right. And he is he has assigned his people where he would have them. Yeah. And it's okay. It really yeah. is. It's good. Yeah. <clears throat> what else you got, Jerry? You got so, want to go to the next chapter or are we done here? What, what are no, we doing? I have I have Oh, this, we're done. I have <laughs> I mean I'm done. <laughs> So I have this this last quote on the bottom of 128. Uh, so he, he's moved into the third uh, non-negotiable of spiritual habits. Uh, and it, he, says, he says, the story forms doctrine, and doctrine forms our disciplines. Um, teaching void of habit formation tends towards Gnosticism. Uh, habit formation void of teaching tends towards empty ritualism so what what is what is he trying to get out here that that would avoid both of these things those are those are uh two sides of the same coin right and you just can't have a one one sided coin you can't you can't just your christian life can't be about filling your head so that you can win bible trivia games on the other hand it can't be about doing certain things so that you feel right with god it's it's a that would be an legalistic approach to to God or to church, saying, well, I was in church, I went to Sunday seminar, uh, I attended small group, but you know what, my wife is a piece of work, and I'd rather not have her. You know, it's it's there's there's got to be application of doctrine, mm-hmm. not just doctrine in the head, and not just checking boxes at church. Mm-hmm. Um, there's two. This is two sides of the same coin. You need to fill your head and heart with biblical truth, Bible beliefs, and have them work their way out. Like Paul said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your relationship with God into every aspect, every corner of your heart. Um, so both are necessary. You need to be trained. Um, you can't be content with just superficial knowledge of God or of biblical doctrine. 
And on the other hand, you just can't be content with filling your mind with detail, with Bible trivia, if there is such a thing. We'll call it that. There's not. But if that were possible, just filling your mind. Let's say that you were capable of rehearsing every doctrine to its detail, but were a total mess in your personal life. Mm. Neither of those are acceptable options. Mm. And so, <laughs> as God's word reveals, fill your, grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And grace and knowledge are on two opposite ends of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Grace is an application of knowledge. Grow in the grace and knowledge of, your, of the Lord Savior, Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're attempting to do here. Giving you opportunity, and we can't force you to do anything, but giving you opportunity to fill your heart and mind with Scripture and then opportunity to apply that in small groups, in service areas, in your neighborhood, at your work. And we talk about these things every single Sunday here. All of these things come out in one way or another every single Sunday. Yeah. They come out in our liturgy. The, the, the exaltation of God, the, recepting, the receiving of his word, and then the challenge to go forth and live it. That's what happens every single worship service. At the, be at the beginning of this um, parenting class that Josh Phillips is facilitating, um, if I remember correctly, the, the very first talk that Paul Tripp gives is talking about how to, like the number one job a parent's got each day is to, he says, instill wonder in their children, uh, wonder of God. Because if you don't, if you just teach them all the rules they, you know, that God commands and do this and don't do that or stay away from that, uh, keep yourself from idols, you know, all good things, right? But where do they flow from? If they don't fr flow from a heart that is, um, has seen the beauty of God in his glory in Christ, if they don't realize that, that Jesus is actually better than all those other little things that their heart would naturally go after as sinners, mm -hmm. then we've missed it. We've missed it. We, we've, that's how Pharisees are produced. We don't want to produce spiritual Pharisees. Um, we want to see the wonder of who God is. That, that serves as the corrective to all the other things. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean we don't teach the other things explicitly. It means that they're grounded in knowing God. Mm -hmm. And in order to know God, you, you actually have to know God. You know, and that's something that JT English talks about in here. He talks about, you know, if, if he told you his wife was a six foot one brunette computer, you know, she was in the tech industry and she loved basket weaving. Um, you might go, wow, he really loves his wife. Unless you knew his wife, who is a five foot three blonde, <laughs> athletic, stay at home mom or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And it's like athletic in the sense of being able to walk up a mountain. That kind of athletic <laughs> is what you mean? Yeah, shut up. So, um, <laughs> I will walk. I will walk with you. You will walk me John, all the way to the top of that hill and leave you there. I'll walk circles. Let's take here. a walk. I'll bring the defibrillator, and then we'll see who's laughing. <laughs> you and whose army? And, and and you want that that lip guard too? Because I don't want you giving me CPR just mouth to mouth. I'm I'm asking well, for the one it or not. It's not happening. <laughs> if it's your you time, burn that man, bridge, yeah. buddy. You've told me God is sovereign, and I'm not going to stand in the way of that. <laughs> Looks not that hard to stop in God. Yeah. And his point is you have to know God. <laughs> you actually have to know who he is. That yeah. That's where you get into the Trinity. You yeah. get into the nature of the Father, the Son. So if, you're, if your understanding of God is faulty, you really... Do you love him? Do you love him? Can you serve him? There are millions of professing Christians and who who say they love God, and they don't know him at all. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're professing Christians. That's scary. Uh, the, the Puritans used to talk about this. J.I. Packer talks about it in The Quest for Godliness. He says, if you don't know God, I mean, if you don't, if you don't understand the biblical God, you're not saved. Mm. Yeah. And the Puritans were saying that. That's what's mm-hmm. at stake. It is. Well, he brings up that he brings up the the research in this chapter, doesn't he? Yeah, of, he does of, about the, the the theology survey. And actually, that seventy eight percent of the P, uh, Christians, professing Christians in America, claim that Jesus was created. Yeah, that's yeah. startling. So that is heresy. The, the Puritans would say, "That's Jeho- you've got Jehovah's Witnesses yeah. and you know Mormons at that point." Yeah, um, that's actually why we did that. SVC theology survey uh, a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was inspired by the Ligonier and Lifeway survey that he was referencing in here. Um, I I was hoping that we wouldn't come up with the same results as that nationwide survey did, and thankfully we didn't. Um, I yeah, actually, Jeremy was, and I were talking about that this morning. I was pleasantly surprised about that survey we did. Yes, yeah. we we are not like the seventy eight percent. Right. This English makes a point in here that I disagreed with. He said, you are that church. He goes, stop looking down the road at these other churches. He goes, you are that church. And I'm going, ah, well, well yeah. we're not necessarily that church. In fact, we're not that church. Which, and literally, that survey wasn't just an academic exercise. It wasn't academic at all for us. Yeah. I mean, someone might have looked at that survey and gone, yeah, what's the point of this? How, you know, what is this college? And I mean, No, we wanted to answer the question, are we that church? Yeah. And thankfully, we're not. And we want to go further into in not being that church. Mm. We want to flesh these things out and, and dig in deeper. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was, as you were just talking there, Rick, I was, I was thinking about when I took the students down to the Grand Canyon, right? We, we see all the pictures and the wonder of, of what it looks like and how everybody talks about how big it is and, and majestic and beautiful and orange and blah, blah, blah. And not until you stand on the rim of the Grand Canyon does it, does it hit you. Right. And so that's that's what we're we're doing, right? We're we're wanting to we're taking people to the Grand Canyon and and seeing the wonder of of who God is. To the God of the Grand Canyon. Yeah, to the God of the Grand Canyon. Yeah. 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 Man. Now I want to go back to the Grand Canyon. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Oh. I went down there a couple of years ago. First time in my life. Yeah. And I was just dumbfounded. Yeah. I, I was almost brought to tears. Like it's just it's Well, my wife was brought to tears. I yeah. told you that story. Yeah. She, she, neither of us had been there and she was standing there looking back at her and she's like, you know, tears coming and she goes, this is better than Ulta. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. It it really hit her heart. Yeah, I did. It must have. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We talked about the Grand Canyon in Sunday seminar this week, you know, and, and the in the the role that the flood of Noah's day had in shaping that yeah. and think about this so there's a story in genesis that often gets just it's put in children's bibles and then a lot of people don't think much about it but think of the beauty of the grand canyon and how that's a gift that god brought out of judgment mm. right the fact that the grand canyon exists is a testament of judgment and god you know on the flip side of that judgment has given such amazing grandeur to testify, even through the judgment of his glory. That's crazy awesome. And if he's that good, that he's bringing that kind of things out of judgment, imagine what's going to come out of salvation. Who can imagine? Well, salvation, salvation is a result of judgment. Right. Right? So Adam and Eve, we're getting off topic here, but this is fun stuff. I yeah. love this. So Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, right? Why? 
because they sinned, right? But what what was incapable of happening inside the garden? Death. So, oh, death. Mm-hmm, yeah. There was no death in the garden. And so they were booted. And in the booting, in the judgment, was the possibility of death of a Savior. Mm-hmm. So yeah. in judgment, God is merciful and good, like the Grand Canyon, Yep. like our salvation. Mm-hmm. It came out of judgment. The only reason that we're saved is because Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden. Mm-hmm. Oh. In fact, James Hamilton's point in his big book, God's glory and salvation through judgment, mm-hmm. is that that's the theme of the Bible. It is. God's glory is shown in saving his people through judgment, both judgment on the wicked, like in Egypt, and also judgment of our sin at the cross. Mm-hmm. That book itself is judgment. It's about 14 pounds. <laughs> yeah, which is why I was very picky and choosy when I didn't read all that it was assigned for yeah, me it was, to read. <laughs> I, I was, I've Not picked happen. parts and pieces through that. That is it, a It is more text. of a reference book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And when you're going through a, a book of the Bible, maybe yeah. pull that up. Because he shows th- through every, pretty much every book of the Bible that this is true. God's glory is seen in salvation through judgment. Now, the wonder that you have at the Grand Canyon, how that points you to God, I think the point is this. This is a connection here. We need to know God, and we can't sit back and go, hey, we know him enough, or we've gotten pretty deep, and then you know, assume our way into um, the the level of our lake going into drought. Right. Right? Just right. because you've attained a certain level. If, I'm good. If Rimrock if, is your analogy, right? right. Uh, well, look at Shasta <laughs> right now. Shasta was a very large lake and through years of drought. And in, in the spiritual life, we can run that same risk. Mm-hmm. So this is an ongoing, we need to be intentional beliefs, Bible, and spiritual habits. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we don't want our church to be described as spiritual drought. No. No. Yeah. No. Well, that's that's what Jesus brings against uh, the Ephesians, right? In in Revelation, you you have all this stuff, you know all this stuff, but you forgot your first love. Yeah, yeah that's the that's application. It. Yeah, that's the application bucket. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, as you guys were talking, I, I was brought to Ephesians one. Uh, this idea of, of glory and judgment. Uh, in, in verse 7 of Ephesians 1, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, speaking of Christ, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And then verse 14, he is a guarantee, speaking of the spirit, of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Church, we love you. We hope this has been encouraging to you. We look forward to being with you on Sunday and next week on The Voice of the Valley. Have a great day.